And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Then he said, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answered him from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks receives and everyone who searches finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who if your children ask for a fish will give them a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, we live in a world today where spirituality is thrown around kind of casually as though everybody has it and it's just a matter of getting in touch with your own spirituality. And in that kind of culture, the idea that you need to be taught something is a bit off-putting. And yet here we have an example where uh, the disciples came to Jesus. These are all devout, uh, practicing uh, Hebrew men who prayed every day. And yet they said to Jesus, Lord, teach us. Teach us how to pray. As if they didn't know how. But I would put before you that perhaps what these, these disciples, these devout Hebrew men who know how to pray every day are really saying is, Lord, teach us about this God whom we feel when we are in your presence. Because it's different. It kind of goes against the way we sort of feel about the way the world is around us and the way we've thought about God. And it's different. Teach us. And so when I read this chapter, and especially that last part when Jesus says, Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. It is an invitation to us to remember that this life of faith which we desire does not come naturally. We have to seek it out. We have to work. We have to be taught I think the church is the instrument of God that does the teaching. Perhaps one of the most powerful ways that I have experienced this in my ministry is when I visit memory care units in nursing homes. 
And I visit a lot of people in memory care in nursing homes. And I don't know if you've ever been to one, but I suspect you have. But I can't tell you how many times I will go and visit somebody who doesn't even know their own name, does not recognize their children, and can't tell you what day it is. But oh, the work of the church through the centuries. When I go to pray and I say, let's pray, and I start, our Father who art in heaven, and this person who doesn't even know their own name joins me in the Lord's Prayer. Because we taught them. We, the church, the disciples of Jesus who asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And then we've taught them. And as we live in a world where fewer and fewer people attend church, and certainly fewer and fewer church people are aggressive in trying to push this Jesus out onto the world, in 40 or 50 years, and we go to a memory care unit and we start our father, will we have taught them? So I thought I'd use this sermon time to teach and allow you to engage in this prayer. Lord, the disciples said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, slide one please, our Father in heaven. Now this Father world was Abba, uh, it's Daddy to you. Daddy, so it's an intimate word. It's a word that is for someone familiar who looks to one who is intimate with you and whom you believe is looking out for your best interest. Daddy. Okay, that's what that word means. Reveal who you are. Now, when I was little, my dad would get up and get in the station wagon and drive to work every day and drive back. I never knew what my dad did. And then somebody at school came up with this bright idea, bring your kid to work day. I got to go to my dad's office. He was an engineer, and I got to walk through. It was the coolest thing in the world because I had no idea what my father did. Daddy, show us what you do. Show us what goodness is. Show us what this world can be like. Because I've got doubts, and I've got troubles, and I've got anxiety, and my head's kind of all full. Of the what, what do you do when you go to work, Daddy? Next slide. Set this world right. Do what's best. Where you are, where, where, where you are, and, the, and, and the, the, the kingdom is set right in the world in the heavenly places in eternity. Oh, Daddy, make it so down here. Make it so in my life, in my brain, in my heart, where I have this angst. Make it right. Do what is best. Because I don't know what's best all the time is really behind that. And that's the confession. I don't know what's best. I like to think that I'm all that. But I know I'm not. So make it so where you are, where I am. Next slide. And while you're at it, Daddy, <laughs> help me not to have to worry about, you know, the little things in life. Let, 
uh, Jesus was all the time talking about, don't worry about what you wear and what you eat and what, you know, where you live. Seek, seek the heavenly things. Seek the eternal things. Desire to learn how to let love rule in your life regardless of what you're having for lunch. Help me not to worry about the temporal things, what I'm going to eat today, so that my mind and my heart might be seeking after that heavenly thing. Okay? I want to be a... I want to be spiritual. I want to be eternally minded and not so focused on what's for breakfast. What a great prayer. Um, I, I want to stop here just a minute because there are many, many people who have difficulty and don't have the opportunity to focus on the spiritual because all they can do is focus on where they're going to get their so be careful about trying to preach spirituality to somebody who's hungry. Got it? Next slide. This is the this is the this is the tough one. Keep forgiving us. Keep us forgiven with you. And forgiving others. Um, we are not good at confessing our need to be forgiven. What we are good at is hiding the things that we do for which we need to be forgiven. We're really good at hiding it. Um, my mother had a cookie jar in the kitchen at our house growing up. It was shaped like a schoolhouse, and the lid of the schoolhouse would come off, right? Inside the lid was a bell. Now, why was the maker of a cookie jar putting a bell in the lid? Because we're good at sneaking cookies, I had to put a lot of effort into figuring out how to get that lid off without ringing the bell, reach in, get the cookie, put it back quietly so I would not be discovered. So I could get away with it. So I wouldn't have to confess that I steal cookies. Because I don't like to do that. I don't like being pointed out where I'm astray where I am less than I want to be, where I'm a part of a world where people are that way, and I am too. In a couple of weeks, uh, we're, our church is going to um, try to be a part of Unity Days in this city. And I am convinced that um, the events that have happened in this city for the last couple of years that revolve around the tension between uh, racial and prejudicial behaviors of human beings is a part of our brokenness and we're all complicit in it i believe that i believe that we naturally come by this ability to want what we want and care less about what other people want um i want this church's efforts to be focused on confessional forgiveness to forgive ourselves the fact that we live in a diverse community and yet on sunday mornings we are not diverse and let the bell ring on that one. Oh yeah, we're not. But we confess it. It is that belief that God can do what God's going to do. And we can be a part of it as we are forgiven, as we confess, as we acknowledge that there needs to be a bell in the cookie jar lid. Forgive me. And let me forgive others. Let me forgive so that you 
can have your way. And this is the next slide. Keep us safe from ourselves. We want to be comfortable. We want to know things. We don't like being out of our comfort zone, and that's why we like with like. And that's why Sunday morning is one of the most segregated times in our society because, you know, the rich people will worship with the rich people and the poor people worship with the poor people and the black people worship with the black people and the white people. And that's just the way it is and the people who can sing worship here. And this idea that we would make ourselves intentionally enter into a place we're not comfortable, I believe that only happens when we acknowledge that in ourselves we won't do that. That there's this evil in the world, this darkness into which we are sucked and drawn and it comes from, from a place outside of ourselves that would call us into isolation and it is the light and the love of God that calls us out of ourselves and into communion, community, connectedness. We have to fight the impulse not to do that in order for God's way to be done. Next slide. Because you're in charge, God. <clears throat> as competent and capable and wonderful and miraculous as we are, Jesus taught us to pray, to pray a prayer that acknowledges we're not in charge. We are not the ones that are going to make this world right. It is the power and the presence and the love of God, the maker, the one who made you, has a purpose for you. And our, li our spiritual life is a life that is bent on getting in touch with the purpose God made you for. Why did God, why did God put you living in Charlottesville? Why did God put you in the pew with the people you're in the pew? Seek it out. Knock. Look. Figure out the purpose God made you and live into it. Next slide. Because you can do anything you want. This is what Jesus prayed about God. God, you can do anything you want. We are worshiping a God who can do anything that God wants. And sometimes God uses us to fulfill that purpose. What I believe that work looks like in a spiritual life uh, as an individual or as a church is this idea that as we desire, as we seek to be taught about what it means to be a creature, the beloved of God, it is to aspire to do something that we can't do unless God helps us. Let me say that again. Would in your spiritual life, your relationship to God and Jesus Christ, would that be the thing that compels you to do something you are most positive you can't do, like seek racial justice? Nobody's going to fix that, right? God can. God can. Nobody's going to fix the fact that we have uh, white churches and black churches on Sunday morning and ne'er the tween shall meet. Nobody's going to fix that, right? God can. And I'm not saying I know how, but what Jesus is teaching us is that God can. 
And oh, by God, from time to time, we get to see it happen. That's what the scriptures are all about. This God who delivered the Hebrew people out of Egypt. Nobody could do that. God can. Our role in what God is doing in the world, next slide, is to be amazed. Watch what God is doing in this world and say, oh my gosh, that is beautiful, that is amazing, that is spectacular, that is outstanding. Can I just bask in the glow of what you are doing, God? And I think for the disciples of Jesus, when they were with Jesus, they felt that in themselves. They felt, oh my gosh, just to be in your presence makes me feel renewed, makes me feel different, makes me feel transformed. I'm amazed by what it's like to be in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, well, be a, you're amazed at that? You should be amazed at what God is doing in this world. And you get to be a part of it. Because it's beautiful. Last slide. The kids said they end their prayers by saying, Amen. Amen. Now, a great prayer, we, we pray all kinds of prayers. A great prayer is one where you lay out in some way this image you have of what it is that God would have accomplished. And you pray it for yourself and you pray it for the world and you pray it for others that you care about. And in the end, you say yes to it. A spiritual life, a life of a disciple of Jesus Christ, who is one who has observed and stood in the glory and the wonder and the splendor and the beauty of what God is doing in Jesus Christ. And for yourself, you say yes. I want to be a part of that. Our bishop, uh, Bishop Sharma Lewis, has introduced a, um, a theme for her Episcopal leadership where she says that she hopes that, uh, that disciples uh, in the churches over which she is the bishop would be a people who are committed to three things, lifelong learning, meaning open to things that you don't know that you might be transformed. In order, if you be transformed, to influence others. Lifelong learners, people open to being changed. That's what lifelong learners, are you open to being changed? If you are, when you are changed, are you willing to influence others that they might also experience that transformation? Lifelong learners who influence others and the result of what that looks like is people who serve one another. People who know what it is to submit to one another, to confess to one another, to make yourselves vulnerable to one another. My prayer, my vision for what it means to be a spiritual people, to be the church, is that we are the teachers. We are teaching the way of Jesus. We do a good job when people in memory care know the Lord's Prayer. I believe that we live in a world where people are not really good at submitting or confessing or making themselves vulnerable. The world teaches us not to do that. 
Church, we need to get good at it. We are the ones who must acknowledge the waywardness of the world and our complicity in it. If we live in a privileged community where there are people who are underprivileged, we need to confess it. And by confessing it, starting with ourselves, we will teach the world how to do it. How to make yourselves vulnerable to those whom Christ has come to save. This is the work of the church to be the ones that teach our world to confess.